Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. Come to you each day at 9 a.m. unless uh, we have uh, service that day, uh, especially in the morning. So I'm not sure about tomorrow morning. Eh. Turn your notifications on on Facebook or YouTube or Odyssey or wherever you watch live. Um, and uh, that way, if we go live, if, if I'm up to it, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the day goes today. Uh, quite a lot to get done, visits and uh, whatnot. Uh, speaking of, before we get going too far, the uh, I did want to let you know that uh, Roy Herms is in hospice. He's still at uh, the Gables. The Gables is open now again after a COVID lockdown, um, but he's on hospice there. And uh, I saw him yesterday. I don't imagine, um, you know, that he's long for this world. Uh, and looks, I'm sure he's looking forward to the world to come. So uh, keep Dan and Liz in your prayers, especially. Um, it's a difficult time for them. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's say our memory verse for this week. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Romans 7, verse 18. Of course, the next few days, we're going to be thinking quite a bit about the flesh, right? Namely, that Jesus was born in the flesh, in our flesh, uh, in every way like us, yet without sin, being born of the Virgin Mary, um, a high theology, a good understanding of who Mary is, also then uh, gives us a higher understanding of who Jesus is, always. Uh, so note, our flesh, nothing good dwells. We know what is right, uh, but our flesh is likened by, uh, say, Paul. Uh, here in Romans, to slavery or bondage, being in captivity, right? Um, and so nothing good dwells because everything is being held captive to sin, right? Apart from Christ. But of course, in Christ, right? That's what Paul's talking about here. According to our flesh, nothing good. I don't even know how to do what is good, even if I know what it is. But rather, only by our baptism, by the working of the Holy Spirit, can any good come of me. Um, and it can only be good if it's done in the forgiveness of sins, right? That is in Christ Jesus. Excellent. So we'll think a little bit more about that as we think about what it means that Jesus is born for us uh, in the flesh in the next few days. Let's pray our psalm for this week, Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. 
For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Good. All right. Our reading today, our first reading, is from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his, of his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. One of the probably most famous um, sayings of the Bible, I mean, I, I suppose there's a lot. <laughs> it's hard to uh, classify which ones are more famous than the others. But certainly this, that um, God is love, right? And who, everyone who is born of God and knows God um, loves. But you'll note that twice um, in that first paragraph and that second paragraph, as the paragraph breaks are given here, um, both cases, they, there's an indication as to exactly what that love of God is. Right? I like to ask the diagnostic question, especially of children, how do you know that God loves you? And they almost always answer the same way. Well, um, God made me, created me, he takes care of me. Right? Um, but think about how we say it in the fourth command. Um, Fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We say God um, gives daily bread to everyone, even to all evil people without our prayers, right? right. So that, is that an indication that God loves you, that he takes care of you? He takes care of even evil people, right? Uh, I suppose that's still kind of a, a, a love of a sort, right? That he made you, but he made everything. <laughs> How does that uniquely show his love toward you, right? Um, and love is known, it's not, it's not an emotion here, it's actually a disposition towards you that's manifest in action. So um, I think we've used the analogy here on the, on the Daily Show um, more than once, but uh, imagine a husband said to his wife, I love you, and then did nothing to show that love, if it was only just words, and yet there was no um, manifestation of that, like, you know, Actually, working for an income for a living to provide for the family, um, maintaining and preserving the condition of the home, you know, to a standard that uh, the wife finds acceptable, of course, um, or even doing something simple like, you know, honey, what can I do for you um, to provide, you know, to to help you uh, with your vocation? So, uh, love gives. Love lays down one's life um, for their friends, right? And so the love of God is manifested. It's made manifest. Look at verse 9. 
very particular. This is what you want to think of this Christmas season, right? Where is the love of Christmas? It's manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So there's your clear Christmas reference, right? But in the very next verse, there's always a danger Christmas that we turn it into Good Friday, but um, it's certain Good Friday's in view. Why was God, was uh, Jesus born? He was born to save us from our sins. How does he save us? He sent his son to be a be the propitiation for our sins. All right. Now that's a highly technical term. Um, uh, it it's defined here uh, in the Oxford English Dictionary as the action of propitiating or appeasing appeasing a god. All right. So let's see if there's any other uh, information here. It comes from the Latin propitiare, see propitiate, uh, which means made favorable or be favorable or gracious, right? So Jesus is the favorable or gracious gift that's laid before us, right? Well, how does he propitiate? How does, how does he make, uh, give, <laughs> how does he give us the favor of God? Well, of course, um, it's, it's sometimes translated as um, expiation because the Greek word here behind propitiation is hilasterion. And I know I haven't explained this to you before. Hilasterion um, is connected to the hilasteria, uh, which is the, the, the burnt sacrifice of the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. So when we say that Jesus um, is sent to be the propitiation for our sins, it means that he has come to be um, the bloody burnt sacrifice for our sins. The one that, that, that sign that was given in the Old Testament now fulfilled in Christ, that life is given um, to redeem the life of man. And so it's right there in Jesus yeah, that not only did he come into the world, Christmas, but that he came into the world to die for the world. Good Friday. Right? And you see the same thing in the next paragraph, right? Um, let's see. Oh no, it's actually, I just covered the two things I wanted to cover. All right. Uh, but of course, how do we know this love of God? Can, can any of us know this, actually uh, abide in it, believe it? No, not apart from the Holy Spirit, which we talked about at the funeral uh, on Tuesday, but here it is again. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and the spirit testifies, right? And then gives us lips to confess that Jesus is the son of God and that by confessing and believing and knowing him, we, have, we receive his love, right? And having his love, we have love then for one another. So again, the gift of Christmas is that Jesus comes to die for us, right? Uh, then that's the love of God manifest for us. But that love, this is also key for Christmas, that love then, um, well, it overflows in love for one another. So we can't help um, but by be generous, be self-sacrificial, um, to give gifts, right, at Christmas time, because we re recognize how great a gift Jesus born for us is. Right? So it's a little Christmas meditation for you there from 1 John 4. Let's hear again. We heard this a few, about a week ago, but let's hear it again. Uh, the birth according to St. Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. All right. I want to consider a little bit um, the saying of the prophet, which is quoted here by Matthew, right? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, all right? Emmanuel. Uh, this is Isaiah 7, of course, which we'll hear uh, tomorrow afternoon, right? 4.30. And, uh, but God with us, right? Now, how is God still with us? This is the question. Is he still with us? You might even ask that question. Well, he was born, he, he grew, he taught, he preached, he was baptized, um, he suffered, he died, he rose again, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So what about now? Is God with us? And of course, you know, as, as Lutherans, and I would say as Orthodox Christians, not just Lutherans, um, all confess that Christ is with us by the way of his word and his sacraments or his gifts, as I call them, right? That it's through the means that he has appointed to, to his apostolic church, to the apostles and thereby to the church, that he has promised to be with us always until the end of the age, right? Until he comes again. So, lo, I will be with you always, Matthew 28. So he is with us. So again, how is he our Emmanuel, as we sing in the hymn? Um, Luther actually uses this text, Matthew 1, in his treatise of 1528 concerning Christ's confession concerning Christ's Supper. So this was written in response to uh, Ulrich Zwingli, a Swiss reformer, um, who thought that Luther went too far by retaining, or didn't go far enough, in that Luther retained the confession that Christ is present for us in his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. So Zwingli would, would hold to the position that is does not mean is, when Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood, but rather is means represents. So, he, um, he, And, and it, it's really a philosophical argument more than anything, that how is it possible that Christ can be present at every altar um, simultaneously or be in more than one place at a time, that his body is, is not... Um, no longer has those uh, you know, normal human limitations, but that, as we call it, the communication of attributes, that the uh, ability of, you know, of God to be present everywhere is communicated even to Christ's body and blood, all right, Christ's humanity. So Luther um, writes a long treatise in responding to Zwingli. Um, this is, I'm gonna, what I'm going to read is about, I think it's about 70 or 80 pages in, in the English translation. So um, it's, again, it's very significant. Um, and it's really a masterful work in discussing um, all the elements of uh, what is the Lord's Supper? How is Christ's body present in the Supper, body and blood present? Um, and he responds to pretty much every argument, even the ones today. All right. So I'm going to jump in here. This is uh, in volume 37 of Luther's works, page 235. But um, this is why Christmas is celebrated as Christ's Mass. <laughs> You know, it is the Lord's Supper um, that makes Christmas what it is, at least as far as the church goes, right? Because we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, when he gives us his body and blood in the supper as we gather around his word, right? Divine service is the definition of Christmas. That's what it means. 
Christ Mass, Christ's divine service. Anyway, all right, um, this suffice for the first point. Uh, but now we discuss their second passage, that would be the Zwinglians, uh, the quote being John 6, verse 63, the flesh is of no avail. And here, whether the devil wishes to answer or ridicule. All right. Um, so <laughs> he's, he's digging. He thinks that Zwingli um, has been held captive by the teaching of demons. That's what he's referring to there. All right. So again, the flesh is no avail. How do we deal with that passage in regards to the supper? In the first place, I had written that the flesh of Christ does not belong with the saying of John 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but with the other one, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. All right. Now we've talked about this with our memory verse, right? From Romans 7, that when we refer to Christ's flesh, it's of a different um, character or quality than our flesh. Our flesh, of course, is sinful. His flesh is, of course, without sin, right? I had proved this quite incontestably from our creed and from the gospel where the angel says to Matt, Joseph in Matthew 2, that which is conceived of Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And Luke chapter 1, the child to be born of you is holy, etc. Against these thunderbolts of scripture, he does nothing but gush his empty bare drivel, saying that Christ's flesh also is born of the flesh, and that I err in making pure spirit out of it. This, as I understand it, is the same uh, as if the arrogant devil were to say, you miserable mad Luther, must I answer you and refute your arguments? Poop on you. <laughs> I say, Christ's flesh is born of the flesh. That settles it. I don't want a word out of you. Luther um, is very conversational in his writing. Here, perhaps, I might reply, excuse me, sir, whatever you say is right, you don't have to prove it, if I consider the matter as unimportant as the Spirit does, who, whenever he feels that I have refuted him, either skips over the matter or flies into a rage or stammers a word or two and calls this an answer. We know, however, that the flesh of Christ does not belong with the saying that which is born of the flesh is flesh, even if this were deemed ten times a maxim, or if fifteen alioses had nothing but exchange, uh, but exchange banks there. A whole nother story. It adds nothing to the argument to call it a maxim, for here Christ is speaking of the new birth, and he curses the fleshy old birth, that it cannot see the kingdom of God. Let it be anathema and a curse to say that the flesh of Christ is born of the flesh, since Christ's flesh is not accursed, and did not he need to be born again into the kingdom of God, but is holy and has brought us the new birth. Right, And we'd also consider this in Epiphany, when we talk about the baptism of Jesus, why did Jesus need to be baptized? John was even confused about it. He understood that Jesus' flesh was not of the same character as ours, did not need the, the, the washing for the forgiveness of sins. All right. Um, continuing, who will drill this spirit and teach him the many, meaning of flesh and spirit? He calls flesh a creature which is not spirit as God created it, as Luke says, or as Christ says in Luke 24, that a spirit has not flesh and bones. How is it possible for one? Uh, with such a mind to understand such passages as John 3 and the like, where flesh and blood are condemned. For we know that all God's creation is good, Genesis 1, and God does not condemn his creation. In this way, Christ's flesh and blood come from Mary's flesh and blood. But because according to John 3, flesh and blood are condemned as being un unable to know the kingdom of God, they cannot truly be called creatures of God in the same sense as flesh, bone, skin, and hair. For all these are good creatures of God. Consequently, and here's the key, back to our memory verse and to Christmas, right? Flesh here must mean not only blood, bone, and marrow in the sense of what God created, but in the sense of being devoid of spirit, existing in its own strength, 
work, use, wisdom, will, and ability. So, wherever the flesh does anything in divine matters according to its own strength, wisdom and strength, there, quote, the flesh is of no avail, but is condemned. The reason Christ did not wish to be born of the seed of man is that he did not wish to be born of the flesh, that is, of the work, desire, will, or aid of the flesh, but only from the power and operation of the Holy Spirit. And thus, his flesh is pure spirit, pure holiness, absolute purity. For what can holiness, purity, and innocence mean but pure spirit, pure spirit? But our fanatics consider spirit nothing more than a being which has neither flesh nor bone. Consequently, holiness, purity, and innocence are not spirit to them. They are such clumsy, illiterate fools in these matters. They wish to teach a great deal, but they do not understand the words that they speak. In John 3, Christ calls all those spirit who are born of the spirit, who must it is true, have flesh, bone, marrow, skin, and hair. Of this I have written enough in my former book, which would be, this is my body. Even if I wrote of this a thousand times, my friends and the noble fanatics would not read or regard it. So for my part, I I will get them to go their way too. All right. Um, I don't know. Does he use it again? I think he actually refers to Christmas again. Uh, but it's a few pages later. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, again, the flesh is of no avail. Is referring to the sinful flesh, not the flesh of Jesus. Mm, I'm missing it. I know it's here somewhere. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Um, indeed, it often happens that we Germans must insert articles where they do not appear in Greek, as we see in Matthew 1. The original means uh, reads, Biblios Genesios, that is, the book, or excuse me, book of birth of Jesus Christ. This does not sound well at all. Therefore, I must translate it, the book of the birth, or better yet, this is the book of of the birth of Jesus Christ. Again, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, Matthew 1, when in Greek there is no definite article, but simply the angel of the Lord. But in our language, it must be inserted, right? It just says angel of the Lord, not the angel of the Lord. Again, in Matthew 3 and and Mark 1, and in Luke 3, we must say a voice or the voice of one crying in the wilderness, even though the Greek, it reads simply, phone buntos, voice of one crying. All right, so there he refers to it again. Oh, and the next one. And on the other hand, we sometimes need to insert an article where it is required in Greek, as in Matthew 1, Abraham begot Isaac, where the Greek reads, Abraham begot the Isaac. Again, Emmanuel, which means God with us, Matthew 1, 23, the Greek reads, the God with us. All right. So this is just an interesting little side note, but I think it's kind of cool. Sometimes the Greek omits an article because of how Greek is constructed. And we, in order for us to to, uh, have it read well in our language, we have to insert the article. Other times we drop the article, the God with us rather, but we don't speak that way. We just say God with us. So we drop the article that's in the Greek there. All right. I knew there was another example here in the work, um, just talking about language. All right. So now you get it that Christ is with us in the supper, and he's with us um, in his flesh and blood, right? Uh, and there's much more in that, that work from Zwingli that's worth looking at, right? But how is he present for us? Well, uh, through communication of attributes, the, the, kind of an amazing or, or mysterious way, uh, one that's received by faith and not by sight, right? But he is with us, as he's promised, until he comes again at the end of the ages. His name, Emmanuel. All right, good. Fifth petition then, we confess. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins, 
or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. All right. Pray the collect for this week. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let's hear the uh, O Antiphon for today. O Emmanuel, our King and our Savior, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. We pray today for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ and his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. We pray today uh, with James, who celebrates his birthday. We pray for our households, especially that of uh, Dick and Milda, the Johnsons, Garrett, Dick and Jean, Karen, and Rachel. We pray in Thanksgiving uh, with the Larsons at the birth of Dorothea and commend her to the waters of baptism. We pray for those ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, and Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially a place of refuge. We pray in intercession uh, for a blessed end to this life and a blessed resurrection to eternal life. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Roger and Rhonda, Dionysio, and Wallace. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. We praise you, Jesus, at your birth. We praise you, Jesus, at your birth, clothed in 
blush you came to her. The virgin bears a sinless boy, and all the angels sing for joy. Alleluia! Now in a manger we may see God's Son from eternity, the gift from God's eternal throne, here clothed in our for flesh and bone. Alleluia! The Virgin Mary's lullaby Balms the infant Lord Most High, Upon her lap content is he, Who keeps the earth and sky and sea. Hallelujah! The light eternal breaking through, May the world to gleam anew, his beams have pierced the core of night. He makes us children of the light. Alleluia! The very Son of God sublime entered into earthly time to lead us from this world of cares to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. Hallelujah! In poverty he came to earth, showing mercy by his birth. He makes us rich in heavenly ways, as we like angels sing his praise. Alleluia! All this for us our God has done, granting love through his own Son. For Christendom rejoice, and sing his praise with endless voice. Alleluia! All right, so good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer around God's Word. Uh, happy Advent, almost Merry Christmas for you. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. We have uh, Christmas Eve lessons and carols, so we'll hear the whole history of salvation, well, most of it, a lot of it, like we do at the Easter Vigil, uh, the eve of Easter as well. Um, different, Actually, different readings, but um, leading to the same conclusion, right? Christ is born for us, that man may no more die. Right, um, so it'll be lessons and carols uh, along with prayer, and we'll do that at four thirty. Uh, but because it's Christ Mass, the Divine Service, I encourage you to come um, at ten p.m. ten p.m. for the midnight Mass. All right, I know that's a little late. Uh, hey, but it's Christmas; it's once a year. You can manage it, and of course, Christmas Day at nine thirty a.m. Uh, divine Service as well. Uh, and all those services are different, unique. They're meant to complement each other. Um, and so, and it seems like every year we try something a little bit different as far as the schedule goes. So, 
Um, this is this year, 4.30, 10 p.m., and then 9.30 a.m. All right. So Lord be with you all. I keep you safe. I hope to see you uh, many times over the next few days.